friend, and welcome to another episode of Burnt Out to Badass. It's me, your colleague in medicine, coach in life, queen of burnout and sass, mother of dragons, and of course, keeper of the Amazon, Dr. Freakin' Aaron Wiseman. And today, my guest is Dr. Sokol. Dr. Sokol is a board-certified pediatrician, physician mindset coach, mother, wife, daughter of immigrant parents, and managing partner of her pediatric clinic. She wants you to know that at age 40, she successfully completed her life's vision board. She had reached financial, professional, and personal success. Essentially, she had completed the American dream, but yet her life was far from dreamy. Today, we will get into more of her story so that we can normalize the conversation around burnout, how to navigate it, and also how so many are recovering from it. So join me in this conversation today. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Sokol. It's so great to have you here with me today. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here, Erin. Super well, excited. I've brought you on the Burnt Out to Badass podcast because you, my friend, have a burnout story to share. And I'm so excited to get it out into the world so other people can hear it. So let's start at the beginning. Who are you and how long ago did burnout creep into your life? Yeah, so I am a pediatrician, board certified pediatrician. I live in Houston, Texas. I am originally from Iran, Tehran. So I was not born in here. So I'm a first generation immigrant. And I literally came from Iran to Houston. And I've been here since for college and everything. I, I went in Texas. So like I went to A&M, which was an hour away, came back and then med school here, residency here. And I say that because as an immigrant, as a female and as a brown immigrant female and a minority living in the South, it, you know, has a lot of effects, <laughs> some positive, some negative. To put it lightly, I yeah. would say a shit ton of effects. <laughs> And those are, you know, the little T traumas that we don't talk about, right? So I'm a pediatrician. So we learned about like child development. We've learned about child abuse, like all the signs. And it was always like physical abuse and sexual abuse, right? Emotional abuse, shedding light on it a little bit more now because of post-COVID and the, and the mental health of our teens. But like back when we trained, I mean, it was like psychiatry for four weeks and we're done. Let's go, you know, do whatever. So I came here, I went to med school, I did the pediatric residency, I got married, I had three kids, and then I decided I not only want to be a doctor, but hey, let's um, be a doctor and an entrepreneur and open up our own clinic when you're like three months pregnant with two kids under the age of four. <laughs> so I always did everything. My life was always planned. Like I was very goal oriented. Like, and every time I got to a goal, it was like, okay, so what's the next one? Like I never paused. I never celebrated. I never took a breath. I never rested. I'm super ADHD. I'm not diagnosed, but I, I totally am. And I just like acclimated with it. And so I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing myself. And I remember with motherhood probably came my first. Okay. So I define burnout as an awakening. Okay. So I 
it's very uncomfortable and it's very painful, but I don't see it. My perspective of burnout is like, thank God I was burned out because I, if I weren't burned out, then I would still be continuing on the same rat race and doing the same stuff that I've been doing for the past 40 years. And I don't want to live my life like that for the next 40 years. So those that, that are in, you know, in the groups of burnout, where for me, burnout was, I was frustrated angry, 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 angry. I was raging ball. I would yell at my kids. I would try not to yell at myself, but I would yell at everyone, my husband, my mom, my sister, everyone. So it showed up for me as anger and anger, frustration, resentment. Um, those were the three top feelings. Um, others were a different way. So you just have to see what your burnout is for you. I don't think it's one particular feeling. And then, you know, trying to manage a clinic and having three kids and then having a husband and just like life will we are all do. It just got the best of me. And I remember at so COVID was like three years ago, right? So I'm 46. So at the age of 40, I was like, something's wrong. I'm tired all the time. So I started like, okay, I need more sleep. So I started sleeping more. Nothing happened. Okay. I need more exercise. So I started walking. Nothing happened. Okay. Let me pull back from five days a week to four days a week to three days a week. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I kept changing everything outside of me, hoping that it would change something within me. And it didn't. And so then I was like, oh, I have chronic fatigue. Like I did the whole, I have cancer thing, which I didn't. I have some weird rheumatological thing. I didn't. I was like, okay, this is just like midlife, perimenopausal, being a mom, doctor thing, right? So I kind of raveled in that for like a couple of years. But then I kept coming back to it. And I was like, I don't, even if it is, I don't want to live life like this. Like I've sacrificed so much and from the outside, everything looked perfect, right? I checked off all the little boxes, ding, 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 ding. Like, and so there was a lot of shame in that too, because I couldn't go and be like, kind of miserable. And then they'd be like, what do you mean? You work for yourself, your kids, your husband, blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of shame that I had to deal with. But then I chose, like, it was a personal decision. I was like, I, I, I need help. I don't know what kind of help I need. And I did not know I was burnt out. Like back then, so it was like six years ago, burnout has been on the mainstream for like, what, three years, like after COVID, right? So I didn't know what the heck it was. I just knew I needed help. And then, and then I was like, well, I know I'm not like depressed. I don't know what I am. So I was like, I don't know if I need a therapist. And then there was a lot of talk about like coaches, coaches, coaches. And I was like, well, maybe I need a coach. I don't know what a coach is, but maybe I need a coach. And it, that decision was like, so like a split second. Like I just posted something on the women's leadership uh, Facebook page and then like people reach out to me and then like I talked to one coach and I was like, okay, you sound like you're normal. Okay. Yeah, sure. Coach me, like make me feel better. I got a coach and like within three sessions with the coach, I was like, holy crap. Like I want to do this. Like what is going on? And I will now, let me just pause and say there that I was completely ready right? To surrender and like really lean into like whatever my coach told me, I was like, yes, let's do it. And I would like do all the homework and I would do the thought work. Right? So there's a lot of people that are still skeptical. It depends on how open you come to the, to the situation, right? If you're still skeptical and a lot of resistance, and we were a lot of resistance as physicians, right? Like I'm in control. I can do this by myself kind of thing. If you were a lot of resistance, then it takes a, a longer time to get through to those limiting beliefs and those thoughts and 
feelings, like feelings were not in my vocabulary at all. My feelings were, feelings are weak. We get behind when we feel, so we don't feel. That took, that's still a working progress for me, but that's taken two years for me to feel. <laughs> Even though I had a loving family, that's what's crazy about it. I had all the support around me, right? So for the women, the physicians that are out there that are like, oh my God, like I should be grateful. I should, I'm so blessed. I should be thankful, right? No, you you don't, you shouldn't do anything if it doesn't feel good, right? <laughs> like stop shitting yourself. And so, yeah, so I got certified as a coach and then so my the coaching school that I went to was called the Life Coach School, which a lot of physicians have graduated from. But what was different for me is that as I went through the certification, something within me just kept saying, like, there's more, go deeper, there's more. And I would and, and you know, the first I think the first step in this awakening that you have or this burnout is just to be empowered and get your power back and be like, Oh, I can't change the hospital system. I can't change my staff. I can't change the insurance reimbursements, but I can change me, right? Do I want to change my perspective around how I look at that? Do I want to change whatever I can change? I can change within me. So that's the awareness part of it. It's like, I can change the narrative in my head. I can look at the thoughts that are coming back. I can look at my beliefs, right? So that's the first step, which you, I did that through the life coach school. Then this deeper, like I had this deeper sense of like, you know, this emptiness where the, that, okay, yes, that's just level one. Like what, what's there? What's, what's deeper within? And so then what I got into is like embodiment, right? So yes, I can flip a thought and be like, well, no, I really think my husband is amazing or whatever, right? But it's not as easy as just like flipping a switch, right? You've got to get into the emotion part. And that was the hardest part for me is like really reconnecting that mind with the body. And when I work with my clients, which are all physicians, when I ask them, how does it feel? They pause and then they give you like some sentence. And I'm like, no, that wasn't a feeling. That was a thought. How does it feel? So then they like look at me. And they're like, they just make the space. I was like, okay, doesn't it doesn't feel good? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it does not feel good. And I'm like, but can you be more specific? And that's how I was. We can't. Our yeah. vocabulary is so limited. Like my feeling vocabulary was mad. I was very mad, sad, angry, and maybe have. I mean, I should be happy. Okay, like I can pretend to be happy. Like those were my four feelings, right? But there's like a wealth of feelings. There's like, I don't know, 2000 feelings that you can have out there that, but we're so disconnected through our training. Maybe That's what I was going to say. I think through that professional training, you go through some sort of lobotomy where not on a physical level, but on an emotional and spiritual level, it's, well, it's the, it's those beliefs that have been given to us to like, you don't cry in front of a patient's family. You walk out of one room where you've just given the most devastating news, and now you've got to walk into the, the next room. Happy, upbeat doctor. What can we do for you today? Yeah. yeah. And we got really good at that mm. until it became so pathologic for us. I was the same way. I resonate so much with your story. I was either angry, like fire red, spewing anger, or numb. I uh -huh. had two emotions. 
You luckily had four, but I had two. And I remember sitting in that numbness and being like, I don't think this is depression, but I know it's not good. Yeah. I know this is not good. And so I'm with you. Feelings are hard. Let's be perfectly honest. That's why we don't want to deal with them. I even have an app on my phone that I use. One of my good friends, Dr. Kara Pepper. Yeah, she does Uh a lot of work around feelings. It's called the mood meter. It's the best $1 you will spend on an app. And it's so great because what it does is it helps you break down, you know, it breaks it down into energy states. Are you in a high energy or low energy? Energy. Are you in an um, unpleasant or pleasant mood? And it gives you a little diagram. Oh, yeah, I love it. The colors. Yes. Yes. And I have to do that because to this day, I think something like got blunted in our like feeling developmental years as adults because we don't know. We don't know. And even, I think it even goes back to our childhood, right? Like, I don't know your upbringing, but mine was like Middle Eastern Muslim, like, you know, father figure in in my family, let's say, because right. I'm not going to like generalize everyone was not like, oh, let me have you, I love you, whatever. It was just like, I will provide for you and I will sacrifice my life for you and I will give you anything that you want to make you successful, right? That the love languages were different. Right. But as a kid, if you think about a two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, they want to be hugged, they want to be touched, they want to be like gooey, you know, like gooey, gooey, like, like stuff like that, right? And so like go back to that childhood and and see like what were your relationships like how did your caretaker interact with you not that they did anything wrong but did it vibe with what you needed at that moment in time what were your relationship friendships like in in middle school in in high school your relationships with your aunts and uncles and sisters and siblings like all of that right what messages were you hearing right because for me it was a protective mechanism. I came here when I was 10. I didn't know how to speak English. So I was like, I'm going to take this like superhero cape of overachieving and overworking. And that's how I'm going to get attention. And I'm going to do my best. And I'm going to study really hard. And I'm not going to let all these emotions get in the way, right? I'm not going to get attached to like this boyfriend or this friend group or this popularity. I'm just going to, it was just like tunnel vision down to this like I got my you know doctor degree or whatever your goals are. And so and I did that for 40 years and I do you know I do this the beyond the embodiment work I do a lot of subconscious coaching which part of it is like inner child. So my healing process really went down to like oh let me see how that 8 year old actually felt when they immigrated and they sat in fourth grade, not knowing a word of English. And what were her relationships like? What were the messages that were given to her on a, um, like on an unconscious level, right? Not intentional level. What was her life like before she immigrated? And how did that contrast with how she, so like I took an entire year and I swear to God, with inner child work, I went through like infancy until like 16 years old. And I went through every age and I validated, I paused, I heard, we spoke. This is all through like meditation visualization stuff. And it's work that I'm still continuing to do because some triggers just are so much more in depth. They just keep coming back and you're like, it's okay. We're just going to go back and see what needs to be loved in that part. Right. And then I did, my coach is Stella Evans. I don't know if you know Stella Evans. Yeah. I love 
love Stella. She's amazing. She's amazing. She does internal family systems. So those are those parts of you, like the overachiever part. Like why does it have this need to overachieve? The runner, oh my God, this this urgency, right? Like I gotta get it done. I'm behind. I can't, like, okay, so let's look at that. Like, what is that trying to protect you? Like the one thing that I really want uh, the audience to understand is all these parts that sometimes make you feel like, oh my God, why do I keep feeling that way? Why does it keep coming up? They're all protective. They're not against you. They might feel yucky in your body as far as like the energy and the frequency, but they're trying to give you a message. So the more you you know, shut them. And like, the more you get upset about them, they're going to push back just like a toddler does. They're going to come back and be like, ah, I'm not going to leave you alone until you give me what I want. Right. So like, you really have to be friends, all of these parts. And once you allow yourself to do that and see your parts, and I think, is it Brene Brown that talks about your, like your imperfections and allowing like imperfectly perfect. I don't know what are those quotes. That's what she's talking about. It's like, it really comes down to like, love, truly accept, accept all of your parts, knowing that all of those parts have a role that got you to where you are. And they're tired and they really want to give up their role. If you're a perfectionist, your perfectionist part is super tired and it really wants to give up that role, right? So why don't we meet them halfway and see what they want to do moving forward. And I do a lot of coaching on the the second half of your life, right? You live a first half of your life in these defense mechanisms, this conditioning, and you could continue to do that till the end. But the second half is really returning home to your true self and getting reconnected to who you truly were before all these layers started to settle in from religion and society and education and all these other, you know, silos that we kind of have to to interact with. I think you bring up a really great point of like, I know I've kind of went back and my perfectionism really started in about fifth grade. Like I can really like nail down some of that at that point. And going back and thinking about that little girl and why she was doing those things was in a healthy way. It was to meet some really good goals. Mm -hmm. But what happens, and like you said, we really lean into those when we feel unsafe and insecure. And so they become our layers of armor that we put on. And nobody teaches us how to take those off from time to time. Nobody teaches us to recognize them, right? Most of us are walking around like, oh, everybody does this, right? Like this is the way it's supposed to be done, right? I I call them superhero capes, right? So when you're a toddler, like you're either like walking around with like Batman, a superwoman, whatever these capes, and you feel invincible and you feel strong and you feel powerful because as a perfectionist, you always probably got the highest grade in the class or your work was always displayed because it was so perfect and like so pretty and so colorful or whatever it was, right? You got attention, you got validation, external validation from the wearing these superhero capes, right? And then and and probably your perfectionism got you to be super studious and get into med school and get into right great, awesome, wonderful. We do not hate our perfectionism. It got us to where we are, but now we can relax. 
works. Now we can like untie that superhero cape, like maybe put it to the side, not shred it and throw it away. And at times we might have to put it back on for certain things, but, but we don't have to wear it all the time. And that's where, you know, that's understanding like what cape are you wearing? And then untying it is, is a process in itself. Putting it down is another scary process. And then choosing another modality to, to, to move forward with. So for me, when I did that process, or I, I say did, but it's like a, a continuing thing, right? It's never mm-hmm. like, oh, check, we're done. As I moved through my journey, I went from the first question I asked myself, I was like, okay, how do you feel? Okay, totally mad, angry. That was like, I knew that. And I was like, how do you want to feel? And then I was like, I think my coach, that was the first question she asked me. And I was like, oh, like I have a choice. That's interesting. And I was like, I want to feel calm. I just want to feel like I don't even want to be happy. I just want to be calm. <laughs> and I worked on that for a year. I was like, okay, what do I, what decision do I need to make to feel calm? Is this the right decision that's aligned for being calm? Is do I can I take on this project and still be calm? Can I work these hours and still be calm? And then I did a lot of nervous system regulation a, a lot. I threw myself into nature. I, I you know, I I did Reiki, I do a lot of spiritual stuff. Epsom salt baths were my favorite thing to do. Lots of these embodiment and and these like soothing technique for your nervous system because you can do the thought work, but again, you've got to bring it with the body. If your body, as all of us are, is in the sympathetic fight and flight, right? That's how we've been trained. And you're like, oh, just relax on the beach. And you're like having this thought about relaxing on the beach. The body's like, screw you. Like I have so much cortisol and adrenaline pumped through me for 40 years. And you're trying to tell me to relax on the beach. Yeah, no, like we're not on the same page. <laughs> Exactly. It's you got to get into those parasympathetics for sure. What do you do for yourself so you don't return to those feeling states you were in anger, frustration, yelling, resentment, irritability? What are yeah. what is on your like checklist like your I call them guardrails so you don't like drive off the road into the ditch again? Yeah. So I think just, so I, I do a bunch of stuff. Like if you want concrete stuff, I journal. So every day I will journal my feelings, right? I'll be, I do like, what are five things that happen? Or I divide up my day and I'm like, okay, how did I feel in the morning, afternoon? Like it doesn't have to be detailed. And then I'll look at the trend that gives me more like direction and like, focus on like, okay, let's see how we felt today. Let's see if we're still on the right highway. It gives you some data points. Yeah. It gives me that. So that's really good to give yourself like physicians want like concrete data stuff. Okay, great. Fine. Ask yourself how you feel and then write it down and then tally it up and then see what zone you're in. Like you're doing with that app. Like, okay, what am I in the right, in the right zone? Like I'm okay or whatever. Yeah. So that awareness, that's the awareness part that I bring to it. Right. And then I think the second thing, that I do is now I meditate, but some people are really scared of the word meditate. You could just like, if visualization sounds better to you, then visualize, go somewhere that's happy for you and go to that place for three minutes every day. Okay. Go into your imagination. See how kids are. If you have little kids and they're like, oh, la, 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 in their imagination and they're super happy. Yeah. Because they're in their happy place. So go to your happy place. So give 
especially those days where all the information that's coming into your head and your body is just like, ah, right? One of those like high stress days, then you can change the state of your being, but you can recreate it in your brain. Like you don't have to go to Disneyland. You can actually visualize going to the Disneyland and the same hormones will release the oxytocin and the, and the happy hormones. And save a shit ton of money too. Oh, right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So visualization works. Breath work. Oh my God. Breathing, breathing, breathing takes you into that parasympathetic system, right? So belly breathing, super easy. Go on YouTube, YouTube it. It's we hyperventilate or we hold our breaths all the time. So like when you breathe in, your belly has to go out. And when you breathe out, your belly gets sucked in. That's belly breathing. You don't breathe with your chest. You breathe with your belly, which is how babies breathe, right? So using that breath work and again, doing these, and these are all free and they all take like three minutes. It doesn't take a long time to do this. You just have to be willing to commit to like, doing it, knowing that this is what's going to repair my system. This is what's going to really calm me down, right? So awareness, some sort of getting the thoughts out of your head and writing it down and identifying your feelings, uh, breath work or visualization, going into your happy place or going into nature. I did a lot of nature, a lot of nature. And nature is not like fly to Aspen and hike. It's like sit in your backyard and hug your dog. Like really simple stuff, right? Sit and hug a tree. That actually really works, y'all. Hug a tree in your backyard. <laughs> Sit on the grass with your bare foot, right? Those are all the soothing, the grounding that, that you said that you can do to help with the nervous system because you go to those feelings because you are in a reactive state. So understanding what is my state right now, being aware of it. Okay, my state is like today, I was up here today. And I was like, okay, I'm up here. So I'm not going to go sit in front of my computer and like do work because then I'm really going to get up here, right? Like I'm up here. I recognize I'm up here. My body's telling me, ah, you're up there, do something. So, okay, so let me go. I like meditated and I like walked outside, right? And again, people are like, well, I work. Okay, then during your lunch break, like make, that's what I started doing. I was like, I'm not working through lunch. I'm going to take my food. I'm going to go. I sit in my car during lunch, put down the windows if it's nice. And I let the breeze come in and the sun and the birds like doesn't. And, and then I just walk into the office, right? Like do changing those little stuff. And then the other thing is I'm never not angry right? I allow myself to be angry when I need to be angry because anger is a normal emotions that humans have and it's an outlet, right? So I get angry, but I try not to yell at people. I'll like scream in the car or like go hit my pillow or like I I have enough self-regulation now to where I know that the anger is coming up and I'll do some breath work but I won't ignore it I'll like hold it in my pocket and then afterwards when you know the circumstances I'm away from whatever it needs to be I'm like okay anger let's come out and play and then it I just allow my body to do whatever it needs to do to to express that anger I love all those tips and tricks because you're right. It doesn't take $10,000. It doesn't take 10,000 minutes. These are things that if we just allow ourselves, give ourselves permission to take three to five minutes and do some of these, it's not that one act. It's not that one petting your puppy or sitting in your hot tub or going to your imaginary favorite place. It's that combination 
Like you start like storing it up and storing it up. And for me, that's what's helped my brain and my body and my whole self be like, we're safe. We're okay. We're okay. And so I'd encourage anybody who's new to that kind of activity, like give yourself time. This is a culminating effect. This is not a, I'm going to be one and done type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I compare it to, I'm a pediatrician, so I compare it to, I make analogies to babies all the time, right? The the infant rolls and then sits and then crawls and then pulls up and then walks. And that happens between four months to 15 months, right? So an average of a year, right? So, and the, and why does that happen? Like scientifically, it's that neuronal synapses that start getting developed. And then it, it's funny because when I had my first kid, I was like, it, it's such a magical time where all of a sudden you're like, oh, she's sitting up, right? But it's not all of a sudden that the work has been going behind the veil, behind the curtains for like six months. And then you see the results in a split second. So same thing, you do it slow, consistent five minutes a day. And then the most common thing that clients come and say, they're like, I did it for a month and nothing's happened. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, we want to throw our pity parties. (laughs) Like, how long have you been doing the other thing? And they're like, um, like 40 years. Like, yeah. It's going to take a minute, friend. (laughs) It is. Well, Dr. Sogo, what are you doing in the future for yourself and for your wellness and for your business too? Yeah. So I am still uh, practicing. I work two days a week. I still have my pediatric clinic. I am in an underserved area, Hispanic community, amazing, amazing, super fulfilling. So I'm continuing to do that. I am also a certified mindfulness uh, physician healer. And the reason I choose healer instead of coaching is because healing happens on a soul level. So I do a lot of subconscious work and I, and I, I'm a big, I'm, I'm super woo. So I'm a big proponent of like the universe and the law of one and manifestation and law of attraction and like surrender and all that kind of stuff. And I bring that into my, into my coaching as, as well and energy medicine and sound medicine. I do a lot of that as well. And I have a podcast. So it's called Mindful Living with Dr. Sogol, D-R-S-O-G-O-L. And I share my story. Uh, everything that I share is like what I experience experience. And then I kind of break it down and put it out there for other people to, to know that there are physicians out there, female physicians out there that are struggling with the same exact things that you're struggling with. And so to really, uh, you know, let go of that stigma and really normalize it and be like, guys, we're just all humans. Like we're all spiritual beings having a human experience and being human is really complex. It's not bad and it's not good. It's just complex. It just depends on how you want to view that complexity as it's too hard or it's like, oh, this is so cool. It's challenging and fun. Let's see what we can learn kind of thing, right? It's where the mindset comes in. And then I do one-on-one coaching, which is more spiritual coaching as well. I love it. Thank you, friends, so much for coming and sharing your heart and your soul with everyone. And I just have to say, The badass in me honors the badass in you. I love it. Thank you.
Thanks for hanging with me here on Burnt Out to Badass. Are you ready to get more than what the podcast has? Well, I want to tell you, I have an online course, same name, Burnt Out to Badass with Dr. Aaron Wiseman, that you can do all on your own. I love it because you learn all the important shit that they didn't teach us in graduate school how to rest and recover properly, harnessing your perfectionism and using it as a superpower, eliminating jealousy, insecurity, and the grass is always greener mentality. You get help with conquering imposter syndrome, establishing clear boundaries and sticking to them, and overcoming your overwhelm. It's 12 jam-packed modules of this online course that you can move through at your own pace and can refer back to as much as you want to. The other great thing is, is you'll join the Badass Slack group, and I will be in my DMs for any question, comments, or chitty chat. Can't wait to see you in there. The Badass in Me honors the Badass in You. I love that Dr. Sogol's motto in life is hashtag me first. The biggest gift that we can give the world is to heal ourselves, to reconnect back with our soul, to listen to our true desires. And as we do, we will find joy. And in that, we will radiate love. So well said, Dr. Sogol. If you are in a place of chronic fatigue, not being able to focus, fearing irritable and huge amounts of anger, friend, I want to invite you over to the Aaron Wiseman Badass Slack group. That's where we're having conversations around all this with actual real people as well. We don't do Facebook, so come over and join us on the Slack app. And if you are looking for even more touch points, I encourage you to come join me in the Burnt Out to Badass live group course. It's going on right now. So head over to the website, burntouttobadass.com, and I hope to see you this week. All right, friend. Well, remember, the badass in me honors the badass in you. Mm -hmm.